0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome to <laughs> Welcome to Coach Unplugged. I'm going to leave that. I'm a little tongue twisted. It's one of those days today um, Before we jump into the podcast today I want to make sure I give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish They What I love about them is not only how easy it is to set up, not only how great their customer service is But what I like is how innovative they are They're always changing their machine, always making it better, always looking to pivot It's why they're one of our sponsors because we believe in them so much So go over and check them out. Mention uh, mentioned Coach Unplugged. Mention High School Hoops. Mention TeachHoops.com. Mention Coach Collins. Mention anybody and they'll give you $400 off um, related to us. Uh, that's You won't find a better discount out there. And then also go over and check out TeachHoops.com for coaches who want to get better. If you're looking for a coach to help you coach. (laughs) If you're looking for a mentor, if you're looking for my bat phone, if you're looking to get help in every aspect of the game, if you're looking for clinics, if you're looking for videos, if you're looking for motivation, if you're looking for handouts, looking for practice ideas, anything, we have it all in there with a 14 day free trial, go over and check it out. Um, Only 14 day free trial out there. It will, you will not be disappointed. Um, We believe in our products so much and um, I think you'll love it. So go over and check it out, it's help, what, uh, what helps us keep the lights on here and uh, everything moving forward. So have a great day, and let's head off to the podcast. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. All right, Coach Miller, so I'm very excited. I'm, you're, I don't know if you're my first fellow podcaster on um, these, which is crazy. Wow. Um, I, you might be. You might be my first first one. If not, I know a couple of people maybe I interviewed have started them since, but- sure. uh, so I'm super excited. I've got some actually podcasting questions I'm going to ask you at some point. Okay, But uh, I'm going to have you – what I'm going to have you do is kind of introduce yourself first and just kind of um, kind of tell your journey is what I say. Tell me your story because um, I think it always intrigues people. Everyone's story is different, I think, especially with everything that's going on with the world right now. Mm-hmm. I think if we actually understood everyone's story, the world would be different. That's how mm-hmm. I always tell my players. It's like um, – you know, they'll, we'll go on a road trip and someone, someone will give them a hard time or have a bit. I go, you, 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 I understand, but you have to, you don't know their story. Maybe they had, maybe something bad happened today. Maybe something, you don't know what happened. Don't judge on one interaction. Um, but I would love that. If you could just kind of tell your story, where you went to school, kind of how we got to the point where we are right now. Um, and then we'll uh, we'll dive into talking about out-of-bounds plays and stuff.
1: Well, so, I appreciate it. All, you all yours,
0: coach. I'm going to drink some coffee, turn it over to you for about, two or three minutes, and then
1: I'll be back. Okay, go ahead. I appreciate you having me on. I'll keep it primarily to the basketball side of things. Uh, I played high school basketball, played at a smaller private school. Um, The school that I chose is the school that I'm at right now. And at the time, they didn't have intercollegiate sports at all. And so I went to that school uh, with the intentions of becoming a high school athletic director and a coach. I went to school for four years. um, I know coach told me, Back in
0: 2012,
1: and what and why didn't they? It was just a charter thing. They just they they had had it originally way back about 60 years prior to that, and had just kind of gone away from it. I think they just they didn't want the emphasis to be on the sports side of things. Okay, that makes um, sense. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, it kind of plays into the story yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, and so I, I went to school, finished my undergraduate degree. Um, didn't feel like I was prepared to go into the classroom. Both of my parents were teachers. And so they <laughs> kind of suggested that while I was single and while I had the time and uh, while we were all living here in the, in the state and in, in the actual city. And so I was able to stay at home, got my master's degree in education. And at about that time, the people who were in the faculty positions were kind of retiring. And so they asked me to stay on with the stipulation that I go on and get my doctorate. Okay. And, and first of all, no
0: one's ever ready to be a teacher. I'm just tired right now. Yeah, you're right. No one's ever ready. They don't, I told another podcaster this. I don't think they don't tell you about like when the kid comes in and throws up on you or the parent calls you 10 minutes before class starts or, Yeah, you're never ready, but yeah, it's like being a
1: coach. (laughs) And with college age kids, the problems are a little bit different, but they're just, they're just, they're kind of the same, just a little bit different. Right, right. So I ended up getting my uh, doctorate degree. And part of that was at the end of it, I had to do an internship. And that is when the school was beginning intercollegiate sports. So that okay. coincided right with that. Okay. And so I was able to, because it was a new situation and a new program, uh, the head coach allowed me to become on as basically his director of ops. So okay. that first year I did my internship as the director of, of basketball ops for the team. God, and then life's, it kind about, of just, life's about timing, isn't it? Yeah, oh it's perfect. <laughs> so it, it kind of just morphed into a volunteer assistant position. And I stayed in that, that role for about the next five years, I think it was. And then once he moved over to become the full time athletic director, that's when Coach Uaro, who probably a lot of your listeners have seen on Twitter and who you're referring to, he became the head coach. Long story short, he and I had been friends and known each other for years because we had followed the same college team and uh, our parents knew each other. He had come to our church for a while. So it was kind of like a seamless transition to me becoming the assistant coach for him. And so I just finished my third year working under him. And what what are your responsibilities? So he, I mean, he's fantastic. He's he not not a micromanager. He's very secure in who he is. He is willing to learn and listen. And so we've kind of done it together. Um, he handed me the the defense, and so I do the primarily the half court defense. Okay. As you listen to this, it's going to sound weird. Um, he he does the full court defense, so we okay. press a lot. Right. Um, and then I teach the half court defense. He does the offense. I do the special situations, which is what we're talking about today. I think it allows us to not Um, you know, sometimes during, I've been a part of practices where you have one coach who has his responsibilities and then he's done and he like kind of not checks out, but he kind of like he's done and then the next guy picks up. But the way that it's set up, we both are working together the entire time. And I think it keeps both of us focused. It allows the kids to hear both voices. Right. Um, and I've actually liked the way that it's worked out. And are you out
0: recruiting? Are you, I mean, is that part of your thing or is
1: he does primarily most of it? I think that what I didn't tell you is the assistant coach job is kind of a, it's almost a, um, a hobby for me. Not that I don't put a lot of, I I put everything into it, but my, I get paid to be a professor at the university. So it's a little bit different because I, I oversee the academic side of it and he's very understanding of that. And, um, so he, he does a lot of the out on the road recruiting, but I'll try to pick up, where I can and, and do some. And uh, we, we recruit a lot of local kids um, just to kind of give you a background of the school. So we're transitioning into division three and because of the financial aspects of it, it's really advantageous for us to primarily focus on the kids here in the state. Right. So we have, we we're getting more kids from the Greenville, Spartanburg, um, Columbia, uh, even reaching up into Charlotte a little bit and Asheville areas of North Carolina. But we try to stay in the Carolinas for a lot of our recruiting. And he has a lot of ties down in Georgia. Um, he and I were both from Georgia, so we kind of go down there sometimes. I've traveled down there. So, yeah, we we split the responsibilities, but he does primarily most. Division
0: of three it. tends to be – it tends to be very regional. Like the, yeah. the state they, schools in Wisconsin put up a pretty good fence yeah. around Wisconsin kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, I just
1: found it's usually the two extremes. One is you have a lot of kids from where you're at or you're recruiting kids from nowhere near where you're at. I know right. schools from Minnesota, my wife's family's from there okay. and, I got a lot. and I know one school has almost all local kids <clears throat> and a school in the same conference down the street literally has no kids from the area. It is. It's like
0: there's a there's a small D three in Madison, which is a, you know the the metropolitan area is a half a million people, mm-hmm. and 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 nobody from Madison wants to go to that little D three. They yeah. they go out and they go out like thirty miles, forty miles, and then try to get them to come back in. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. It, it, there could be several books written on how the recruiting works, especially at that level. Um. Yeah. So much different than the D1 level.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of unknowns to it. You know, there's, um, we get this first, second, third place. Well, first place is the best. Second place is almost as good. And third place, there's a lot of good players in Division three. So you're working against that sometimes. Right. Um, You're working against, well, there's no athletic scholarships. So that immediately turns off either a kid or his parents who really want their kid to get an athletic scholarship. Right. And the truth is a lot of times you can get more money and pay less to go to a division three with no athletic scholarship than you do to go to a division one. Uh, I think everybody thinks that you're going to North Carolina, Wisconsin, Kentucky and getting a full ride. Right.
0: That's what they don't understand. They don't understand that there's like, if you no. play lacrosse. Yeah.
1: I don't get it. I, it yeah. doesn't work like that. But it, it's, 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 I'm paying less than,
0: so I, I live literally like five minutes from Uni- university of Wisconsin. I'm from Madison. Like I, my kid could jump in the car and get there in 10 minutes. Easy. And it's cheaper for me to send them to Vermont to a really, really, really good school Mm -hmm. than it is to send them 10 minutes away just because of the financial aid and the, yeah, that's what people don't, you got to, you got to do your, you got to do your homework a little bit on some of that stuff, I think.
1: Yeah, we talk a lot about fit and I I feel like the fit does go, there there has to be a financial component to it because I mean, the reality is especially day and age, literally right now there's a lot of people that are strapped financially or are going to be strapped financially. So right. the financial component does need to fit into it, but they need to become educated as to what that is. Um, I've tried to encourage coaches, high school coaches to help with that a little bit. I think sometimes maybe they don't even know what all is available. So pushing kids away from this athletic scholarship, athletic scholarship, athletic scholarship, I know it makes them look good to say that their kid got a the right player got a full ride but it's not the best fit for the no. kid I'd,
0: i and i say don't get caught up on the number too. No. like <laughs> there's no. a lot of d3 schools that are better than d2 schools and d2 mm-hmm. is better than i mean it's like it, yeah Sometimes cult, it's
1: culture of the school. I mean, the truth is, is that the kids go into a place that for the next four years, during a very um, influential time in their life, they're going to be molded and shaped. And you've just let your kid go however many hundreds of miles away. And you've entrusted them to people that you don't really know. Right. I would. And that those people are going to basically shape him during very formative years for the rest of his life. Right. I think when you put it that way, it may kind of wake the parents up a little bit like yeah. these people could ruin what you just worked really hard to do for the last <laughs> 18 years right or can help it and right. yeah, are you really going to make that decision based off of being able to tell everybody else you got an athletic scholarship
0: no, I so. agree I agree I love that all right let's talk about let's talk about Audubon's place. can you um you know how to share the screen on
1: zoom right yeah absolutely let yeah. me pull up first the diagrams i'll just show you let's
0: do that let's do that for let's go through the diagrams
1: got about 10 plays okay Uh, they're separated into blobs slobs and then i've got a couple kind of quick hitters that we can look at yep um i would say just as far as plays and designing plays there's usually about three things that i try to either do when I'm creating a play or you know for most people I understand that they're probably going to be going to YouTube or going to fast model or something like that to find a play and so I would encourage them to kind of look for these three things the first is to be able to have multiple scoring opportunities I don't know how many games that I go to recruiting wise high school and I see one action and if they don't get a bucket off of that one action or if it's defended well they kind of just throw it to the safety and yeah they go to the safety offense. a lot and what do you mean by multiple actions do you mean so, like go ahead so I'll actually talk about multiple okay. actions in a minute but okay. uh, the multiple scoring opportunities okay. is if I have a chance for let's just talk about this first play right here so um, you have the opportunity for the ball to be passed right off of this initial screen from four right to two to shoot and score yep or instead you turn around and you've got the re-screen and you've got the slip to the basket and the four can score. So I've got the two that can score or I've got the four that can score. Right. So that's what I'm talking about is just, you know, that, that one's real simple, but there could be other spots on the floor where, okay, well, if that guy's not open, then I can throw it to this guy. Um, I've had two. It's kind of difficult to teach a younger player that because a lot of times they're fixated on one thing. And if that one thing's not open, then they kind of just quit and throw it to the safety. So you almost have to teach your players how to be an inbounder. It's kind of like being a quarterback and, you know, you've got your check downs and this guy's not open. I'm going to look for this guy first. So trying to teach your players. I think that's a golden
0: nugget right there, Coach, that I think a lot of, especially young coaches, don't do, is you really have to teach them how to throw the ball in. Usually yeah. I can find one, maybe two on my entire roster that are good enough to do it. Just like how many quarterbacks do you really have, you know? Right. right. <laughs> I mean, but you need to teach them like, look here, look there, look there. I mean, yes, I think that's really important out of bounds plays wise.
1: Yeah. And that's going to be harder. It's going to take you some additional time because you think of a point guard, a point guard probably is a little bit more apt to do it. That's why we usually have our point guard throwing the ball in. They're used to looking for this. And if this not so open, then I throw it to that. And you stick your three men in there and you're like, why can't this person see that this other guy is open? And it almost like hit me like a ton of bricks. Like this kid doesn't, he's not used to looking for options like that. And so um, I found myself two years ago, we were kind of in a rough spot as far as injuries and had people playing that we weren't, planning on playing and we had gotten spoiled by people who were just used to the feel of the game, looking for that, you know, next play, next play. Right. So I found myself having to teach a kid walking them through, not just to know the plays. I think we kind of focus primarily on them just knowing what the plays are, but you're going to have to take some time to teach the inbounder. Okay. Look here. This is where your eyes should go first. This is where your eyes should go second. If that's not open, then you can throw it to this third guy here.
0: Right. Oh. And I always use the example. Sometimes when we're doing film, it's like, I'm not going to have Shaquille O'Neal throw the ball in. Like right. he'd be horrible because he, he's how many times has he thrown it to the post? You know, and they. Right. and I, I don't use that as much as I used to because they go, who's Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> right. They know him from TV commercials, but they don't know what kind of player he was. But, right. Um, right. you know, that's kind of the analogy you got to think about. I, I like that. Yeah.
1: Go ahead. I, I, too, that first year, that, what I'm referring to in the film that I'll show you is from the year before this, so it won't look quite the same. But um. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse.
0: With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChambaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at
1: chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: The, the year where we had all those players hurt, especially early in the year, we had one guy who had experience. Right. and Literally, I don't think teams had picked it up because you know early in the season, they're not really scouting as much or they're really focused on their offense. Literally every inbounds play was for him, and so you know if you only have two guys on your team that can score, then you probably should be designing several different looks or several different out of bounds plays that are for those primary scorers. Like right. how many times do we have this awesome play, and then the kid who we don't want to shoot is the one that's wide open and gets it? Right, it's like
0: Bob Huggins says he's the other kids are open for a reason. That's exactly yeah. right, and
1: it, it doesn't even it doesn't even happen on that. On purpose like it just right. happens sometimes yeah. so make sure that you're designing and picking your plays um, for a kid that can actually score score <laughs> so multiple scoring opportunities and then the second thing that I would say is I, I like to pick plays that have multiple actions and that's why I kind of stopped you before okay. you know it's my terminology but what I mean by multiple actions I'll just take this the same play so you see up here in the first screen you have four setting the screen for two Right. But then on the other side of the floor, there's another action going on another screen on that side of the floor. And the reason I like that is because it keeps your help defenders occupied. You know, too many times we only have one action going on on one side of the floor and the other help defenders are like, well, my guy's not doing anything. I'm just going to kind of sit over here and clog the lane. Right. Right. I'm going to cause problems. Yeah. Right. If I can even kind of distract the primary defenders or the, the guys that are going to give the help defense. If I can distract them while I'm getting an action on the side of the floor that I want, I want those multiple actions happening at the same time so that help defenders aren't able to just sag in the paint or clog things up or okay. give any kind of support. Yep. Then the last one that I would say is I, I try to find plays and work with plays that have what I call consecutive actions. We're familiar with this if you run like flex offense. So yep. you have the cross screen to the down screen, right? So it's two actions back to back. And uh, this play has it. Uh, we like the screen rescreen. Everybody likes a screen rescreen because you have going under and then they have to communicate the switch and then you have them coming back. And, you know, the consecutive actions really force a defense to. Talk and it forces people to make switches a lot of times. Um, so, if you can have a consecutive action in there, it will a lot of times against teams that don't talk well, that don't switch, it'll usually give you something that's wide open. So, talk about this play going back to this the screen rescreen. So, you have force initially set the screen, and then turns around and sets the screen again. Well, who's going to be where's their attention going to be? It's going to be on the two, right? Because you're trying to right. set a screen for two. Yeah. Well, four just slips to the basket and has a wide open layup. So anytime that you can get a consecutive action of one action followed by another one, I'll show you another play here in a minute that has one back to back. Or if you're going to do three in a row, there's no way that the uh, defense is going to be able to go.
0: Right. Back. And especially at the high school level or, jun- or junior high, it's like, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I'll give you a, a very practical example of this. So you're the, I'm the team preparing for you. Right. Yep. And you have a play that has a consecutive action in it. Chances are I'm going to be defending like how many times during a practice do you defend multiple actions like that? You usually are working. Okay. Let's take, let's take three minutes here, two minutes here and work on ball screens. Right. right let's take two minutes here and work on dribble handoffs. All right. Let's take two minutes here and work on pin downs. Right. You're very rarely working on a dribble handoff. All right. And that leads into a ball screen. Um, so it's something usually that they, unless you're playing a very experienced team that they haven't seen before, they can defend at one action, but they're not used to communicating it to a second action. And that's usually where you can find a wide open player. Yeah, I love that. I'll go on to the next one here. Um, I think you're going to see through these that all of our out of bounds plays start out with a the, the four low. Okay. I think this is common. People understand this, but if I can keep them all looking the same, they're a little bit harder to scout. You know, I don't know to what degree at the high school level, or the level that the person listening to this is going to have the other opponent scouting them. But, you know, at our level, they're looking for anything that tips them off, right? And so right. even lining guys up in the same spot sometimes will be helpful if you can disguise the things that you're doing. I, um, I
0: think that's a great tip, too. Though. I always tell coaches to do that. Like, if you're going to do a box set, then find every You're going to find every action and multiple action and consecutive actions. In a, You just got to do a little bit more homework. Yeah. If you're going to do, like, everything out of a box set or everything out of a low 1-4 or
1: stack set or whatever it is, yeah. I will make one more tip, not a nugget for people. You can run all of your four low stuff in a box set. So you can just bring your two up here to the elbow, three up here to the elbow. And I tell my players, we can basically immediately without much practice, double the number of plays in our playbook. By running things either out of a box or four low it's the same play right it's just I will tell them maybe like before the guy is handed the ball start in your box but start to move down here to the corners and then you run your same play out of a four low I love that I love that
0: and that can um, give them yeah and that could be like a last second thing yep maybe you've been running the low one four I mean there's all sorts of ways you can tweak I
1: like that yeah so this next one one here, another, another thing that I would say with your inbounds plays is, is have some sort of like counter. Um, we've had this play for the last eight years in our program. Everybody knows it. And so sometimes they'll cheat it and the two will just stay down here. And as soon as they stay down here, we just go ahead and throw it in right away. So up here on this top play, you have the screen and the rescreen as the right. two comes back to the corner in this play though there's just the down screen and then when we finish it up with a pin down so that's a consecutive action of one pin down followed by another pin down very simple but kind of a counter to that first play um this third one here is a little bit of a misdirection i was watching a video of this i'd forgotten that we ran this and i was looking in the wrong spot and somebody else scored. So, so I thought, Oh man, that's a pretty good play. I need to bring that back. Um, it basically, uh, this is another reason why we like staggers, right? Is because those are actually just consecutive actions. It's two pin downs back to back. Right. Um, And anytime that you can get misdirections that typically will result in a layup. I'll show you a video of that here in a minute. But, um, so the two, you end up comes to the elbow here and it looks like they're going to set the screen, but they're actually coming off a stagger. And while this is happening on this side of the floor, the four just slips right to the front of the rim, and you get a wide open layup. A lot of times with that. I like that. so, I know coaches are sitting here and like, oh, okay, that's great," or they're listening and they're like, "That's great," but we play zones all the time, right? Right. So, so you hopefully can hopefully you're not an
0: elementary or middle school coach and you're playing right. That's one
1: say. though. I mean, it's a four low, and we run this against zones and get plays scoring opportunities out of it all the time so it's just basically a spread out everybody spreads out to the perimeter we pass the ball around the perimeter and as the ball is being passed around the perimeter the four flashes to the block usually flashing right to the middle of the zone where the gap is same principles that we typically use for zone offense and then if one takes the shot you have five running to the back side of the rim for a rebound on the far side of the rim so you can run there there are plenty of plays in that alignment that you can run in zone as well. Um, We will run things sometimes out of a stack. Uh, We've run things out of kind of like an off centered block. If you've seen like a, just a square over here on the side. Right. Um, But I would encourage you to kind of keep them all looking the same. That way they're harder to scout rather than, one in a stack, one in a box, one in a, yeah. you know, those. That's they, hard.
0: And th- th- what I tell too, I tell coaches that you want to teach your players to find, especially against a zone on an out-of-bounds plays, find space, open space. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you know, you're, um, and then the cutting is hard for a zone when you're cutting, especially on out-of-bounds play in that quick, because their head gets turned for a second and right. that's where you're going to get, you're going to be able to exploit at that point.
1: Right. Um, and, and some of the things that I've given you as nuggets, I use them solely for the purpose of I care about the regional tournament and the national tournament. So right. in the last about four years, we've won two regional championships and finished runner up in the region twice. We've been to the national tournament three out of the last four years. Right. And I'm coaching for the regional and the national tournament because there's a chance most likely I'm going to be seeing a team for a third time in the regional tournament. So they've played against all of these. Right. I don't show all of my hands during the, during the regular season. So those adjustments I don't use until the regional tournament. And some of them I literally save to the national tournaments. So we were runners up. We lost by two in the last, it's two seconds of the game two years ago, or three years ago in the national championship game the time that we had we would get to that final game would have scouted everything that we had seen would know all of our play calls. And we were still running new things in that last game, yep. but they weren't new, completely new plays. They were just one little tweak here or there to make it a little bit harder because, you know, how many games do we lose by you know, we're always crying. We look back over our schedule and we're like, man, we lost five games this year by a combined nine points. Right? right. And so like one or two points here, or there in these special situations can be the difference between a win or a loss. So
0: you were, you were breaking up a little bit there, coach. Um, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, say that again, say the last, I'll cut that out. Say that, say the last, you know, five or six sentences. You were, you were a little unstable there.
1: Yeah. So, you know, by early on in my coaching career, I was standing, I remember, next to an assistant and said to him, Why are we spending so much time on our special situations? But now, looking back on it and, you know, being in charge of the special situations now, you know, how many games are we losing by two points, three points? And those two possessions we could have scored on in special situations. So, you know, we spend more time on our special situations. Yes. Yeah.
0: I agree. I, it's it's so helpful.
1: Um, these down here at the bottom, the next grouping is the slobs, and it's the same principles. We'll do a lot of things out of the same alignment, so everything's out of kind of a box set. Um, I'm trying to get the ball into the hands of guys that can score, so my plays are designed for that. Sometimes that can be difficult because you graduate a kid, and now your three not your best player. Your two your best player. So um, adjusting your plays so that you – Obviously, you have opportunities for guys to score that you want to score. Um, I'll talk about this right here, the second box, so it's the same play. It's just a down screen, get the ball in, and then your three comes around for a lob at the rim. Well, we had run this so many times that by the time we got to the national championship game, they knew what was coming. So instead of this, instead of running around the screen, he would run around the screen, and then the five would immediately turn around and set him a rescreen. And he popped back out to the wing for a wide open three.
0: Right. Because they're going to stop the lob. Yeah. So there's your, that's what we were talking about with in terms of a counter. I love that. Right.
1: So um, the next one here, this is, let's see. Uh, Well, that's that same action. This one is for a big, so you have a, the multiple screens here. So those consecutive actions that I was telling you about. So you have one scoring opportunity here if you want to come down here. So there's one, one scoring opportunity and then your second scoring opportunity comes off a consecutive action where you have the one and the two back screening here for the five and you get them in a low post situation. So kind of just combining those principles that I talked about early on everybody thanks for listening
0: um if you'd like to support us go over and check out com for coaches who want to get better also subscribe and like we do appreciate those have a great day sports social podcast network
1: with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere
0: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom
1: sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps>